0: Hello I'm Richard Docker. I'm a writer and consultant helping people to stand back and examine the big picture of life, human beings, politics, society and ideas. I'm the founder and director of the not-for-profit Life Squared and the social change agency ChangeStar. In this podcast series I want to challenge your views of how we, human beings, think and behave. Most of us have a completely inaccurate view of the creatures we are and the truth is revealed by researchers over recent decades, is mind-blowing and could change how we think about our lives and societies. In each episode, I'll be joined by an expert psychologist to explore one of humanity's biggest hopes or challenges, including seeking global peace, tackling the spread of misinformation and preventing climate change. We'll ask whether each aim is realistic, given the creatures we are, and if we can't achieve them, what's the best we can hope for? In this episode I'm talking to Dr Nick Perham about the psychology of religion and whether human beings need it in their lives. We'll explore the psychological drivers behind religious belief, why it's so popular, the purpose it serves for human beings and some of its disadvantages. We'll also ask whether it's possible for people to get these same benefits without religion. Dr Perham is a senior lecturer in cognitive psychology at Cardiff Metropolitan University His research looks at how cognitive psychology affects various areas of our lives, from religion to music. Here's the conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So our question this week is, do human beings need religion? And I think a good place to start, Nick, is perhaps by asking, you know, what do we mean by religion? Because it could mean quite a broad range of things, and why is it so popular with human beings from a psychological and evolutionary perspective?
1: Well, you have set up a large question. now, have you? or <laughs> well, two large questions. I, I think you're right. I mean, what do people mean by religion? It covers a vast array of different things. Um, you know, from kind of an explanation of the world to to many people as a a guide. I mean, if you think of religious texts, they are kind of telling you about how the world was created, um, what goes on in the world, how to navigate your way through the world, how to cope with different situations. Um, there are particular storylines within them, sort of fables. Some are arguably, well, argued to be based on real life events. Um, some are argued to be metaphors for life. Um, some, you know, the idea that it's supposed to be God's word as well, and some people dispute that. Um, and then you've got the more... Uh, communal aspects to religion, the, the, the large you know, even the small scale social gatherings to the vast large scale social gatherings of you know, big evangelist churches in America. Um, I think it means it can mean so many things to different people and people engage can engage with it at a very small level all the way up to the fact that it will in a sense dictate almost every aspect of their life. It's intertwined with their ways of thinking, their ways of behaving, the way they engage with their their work, their friends, the, the, the technology, the society around them. So, yes, um, I'm not sure whether I answered that, but just to uh, bring up that, yes, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a massive thing. So, I know th- I
0: think that's a very useful starting point for us. So are there certain things within our psychology that perhaps might make us more religious or encourage us to, to become more
1: religious? Yes, definitely. There, there, there's been the idea that we have some cognitive adaptations that have evolved over time, that religion may kind of piggyback and make it more easy for us to start believing in religions. Um, so one of those things is the idea of attachment. So uh, we all have attachments to, to varying degrees to our, our caregivers, our guardians, and the more secure the attachment, the, the better and quality of our life. It's been shown to influence our later relationships. Um, but this idea of attachment is very easy to see, well, okay, we're very we are evolved to be attached to people Um, We're also involved to be attached to uh, pets, so non-humans. Some people are very attached to blankets. I mean, if you look at a child, they're very attached to their toys. And some people, when they get older, find that difficult to relinquish. And it's not that much of a jump to see that we can become very attached to other non-human entities, like the ultimate caregiver that we will have in terms of a god. So that's one example of how it can sort of piggyback um, on, on some of our adaptations that we follow. Another example is the fact we we readily separate our mind from our body. we recognize that our mind is different from our body, and if you're going to believe in God, you have to have that belief and recognize that God is more of a, a mind entity than a body entity. no one's actually shown God we've never seen God there's lots of depictions of what God might look like but we so for people to be religious, they must separate mind from body and we're very very good at doing that as a, as a species we can understand people's reactions even when they say nothing you know we can infer what they're thinking just by the look on their face the the their way that their, their posture is um and we can understand what someone might think given a particular situation so uh if you failed your degree and de- so if you passed your degree and decided to go off and live on an island you can imagine what your parents might think about it you can also imagine what your friends might think about it which might be completely different and you can imagine what your your lecturer might think okay they've squandered their degree and off we can think what someone else would be thinking without them saying one word if we can do that then it's quite easy to imagine that this all-powerful entity we can imagine what they might be thinking um so again that's another example of how we sort of religion can sort of piggyback on our cognitive adaptations
0: and there's also the idea i think of authority and obedience to authority that would that be a uh, play a part
1: yes that's another example so in psychology one thing you hear about what well, most students of psychology, especially at A-level and GCSE level. Um, there's a phenomenon called obedience to authority. Stanley Milgram, a very famous study in the 1960s, uh, an unethical study of people administering electric shocks to participants. They didn't realize that the, the participants were actually, or the, the people were actually confederates of the, um, the researcher. But it showed, well, the argument was, it showed that people will f- follow authority figures, even to the point that they think that they'll be causing harm to someone. Um, and we know that people follow authority figures. Children will follow the authority of their parents, their grandparents. When they go into school, they follow the. Uh, we follow the authority of the police, the fire service, doctors, lawyers. Um, we all defer to authority to varying degrees. Um, and again, that's another example of how we can defer to a, you know, the biggest authority figure that you can think of um, being God. So there's
0: some, there are some powerful cognitive adaptations that actually... Have a sort of side effect of making us perhaps more prone to belief in in, in gods and to, to religious ideas
1: yeah we, we, we have certain things that we've evolved that make things easier in our lives that uh, religion arguably can can jump upon and uh, utilize and it's kind of a, a made helped to make people more, more religious from
0: an evolutionary perspective, what sort of purpose does it serve for human beings in sort of belief in a religion
1: I think there are probably many reasons why people would feel that they want to be religious or need to be religious. Um, I think uh, Richard Dawkins argued, I mean, because you know, from Richard Dawkins' point of view, evolutionary um, that it's a way to help socialize people and socialize the young. So for everything, that, for the reasons that things exist nowadays, what is the evolutionary advantage for it? And I think his explanation was it helps to, um, to tell younger people or children to uh, create a, a narrative of what they should do and how they should behave um so I, I mean in terms of that was his explanation i don't know whether he extended that much further i imagine there's a whole host of reasons why people would f- uh, feel the need to be religious
0: because it feels like it covers some fairly fundamental areas of sort of human psychology i mean they're just the things that some of the things that i was thinking about first of all it's this idea of people have a need to make sense of the world you know there is a, it is inbuilt with within us to try and make you know, simplified models of the world to try and be able to actually survive in it. So presumably it might fulfill that sort of function in some way.
1: Yeah, I suppose if you dial back human existence to as early, far back as you can, when we encountered things in our physical world that we presumably couldn't explain at that particular point in time, we would try to look for relationships between things. You, know, you see a volcano explode, you see the rain, something that's much faster and bigger than we are, um, and try to understand and make some meaning behind it. And maybe one of those meanings was it was you know, some larger entity within, uh, outside of our own control that was causing these things. And you can kind of propose that kind of idea, I think, at an early stage of uh, human evolution, definitely.
0: Now, I think particularly if you don't have, a at that point, a scientific model that, that human beings have built in order to actually explain other things through evidence and through learning in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know... You, you know I mean the religious texts you have now are some people might argue that it's based on evidence um i think and for me personally i'm happy to believe in most things as long as there's good evidence and an argument and a rationale for those things um the debate of whether that that exists in religion and in religious texts is uh, uh quite volatile at times i think with certain individuals um yeah, I don't I don't think it has the support mechanisms or evidence base that many other things we, we follow in society do.
0: Well, I think one of the other incredibly strong factors that, that I can see sort of psychologically behind it might be the sense of belonging to a clear group <clears throat> and the role and the role that it plays within people's sense of identity. So in, in forming an in-group and informing a tribe essentially around you would you say that that is a bit of a driver for it that actually forms quite a strong part of our attraction to it
1: i can imagine that it does i mean in, in psychology there's a history in social psychology of in groups and out groups and yes i imagine it's very close to many people's hearts in terms of being involved with a social group who think the same way that they do um that provide support and I imagine this was you know, a way to keep people together as well. If you go as I dial back in human history, um, it's a way to keep people together. It's a way to show that you are together compared to someone else. Um, and I think nowadays people will still use that. I mean, we know that still many people um, attend religious gatherings. I think attendance is probably down than it has been in the last like, 50 years or so. And it's declining, in, at least in the UK and I think in America. But in other parts of the world, it's still very popular and very prevalent. Um, and I think that really gives a sense of cohesion and bonding between people that people really enjoy. And maybe for some of them, that's more of the the main reason, the, like I said, the main driver for them to be religious. It's more of the activity, the ritualization, um, and the sense of belonging that, that drives them.
0: I mean, that is a really important aspect to it, isn't it? In that idea of that thing that draws people together and gives them that shared sense of identity, along with the ritual and those other things. Because I think, the sense that in the last 50, 60 years, there's been a greater sort of atomization and individualization of society, and partly perhaps due to the rolling back of religion from, from certain Western societies. And I think one of the questions that would be interesting to explore later is, well, if you're not religious, is there a way of replacing this stuff? And I think yeah, we could perhaps explore that a little bit later. Um, so, I mean, we've looked at perhaps some of the advantages of of religion for people and so from a psychological perspective, what are some of the disadvantages, because obviously often with these sort of evolutionary adaptation we have, you know, that they're there and they help us to do certain things that are very important, but they can bring with them some sort of blind spots or disadvantages, disadvantages on, on the other side. What would you say are some of those in terms of our sort of predisposition to perhaps that sort of religious idea?
1: I think that the main thing for me is, well, there are two main things. The first one is uh, explanations of the world that are close to the truth as much as possible. Um, and religion, in the same way that scientific thinking does, purports to try to explain the world around us. Um, religion does greater than that, in my opinion. Um, and as I said before, I'm I'm happy to follow the evidence. My, I'm happy, my belief is I'll follow the evidence as long as it's well supported, explained well, uh, rational and I think something that purports to explain the world in its entirety, really, you know, how the world began, how big the universe is, what you should do in your everyday life, the way you interact with everyone, you know, religion, as we started off with, covers so many things. If that is incorrect, then many people are following incorrect ideas and beliefs, um, and that 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 concerns me. I, I do think that people should be following the truth as best as we know it, and we know that science is a it's not a body of knowledge. It's a kind of a system of way to ascertain the truth. And it's always developing, always evolving. And I don't think scientists w- would apologise for that. There's no need for them to do so. Um, but religion doesn't seem to provide those explanations or that kind of uh, systematic way of approaching things. And I, I think that people who are following that uh, are missing out.
0: Do you mind if I just get to talk a bit more about that? Because I think that's a fascinating point. And I think it brings up this idea of, well, from a psychological point of view, in terms of our natural inclinations as human beings, are we actually inclined to seek the truth, though? And I think we, we talk about this in another episode with, with, with someone else in this series, in that it seems that people are perhaps more naturally inclined to seek coherence than necessarily truth. And that therefore, <laughs> that, that, that is again where, where religion comes in, that maybe we're, maybe we're not naturally trying to seek truth. We're trying to seek an explanation of the world that is actually coherent for us and that works for us, but yeah. maybe it's not truth that we're after.
1: No, I, I imagine for some people, I mean, we, we know that you know, in, our own every, in our everyday life, there are some people who think a lot more about things, politics, philosophies, than, than other people do. Some people are much more engaged because of their job, just some people are more inquisitive about that. Maybe some people are, are too busy with their, the rest of their life to cope with things and to think about things like that, and, and we recognise that variation. But I, I, I think that following religion is a, a more of a simplistic way of approaching things. It can always be linked to a default or, well, it always goes back to God. If you, if you can't explain something, there's a kind of God of gaps argument. So if there's, an, if there's something that you can't explain in the world right now, it's easy to say, well, science can't explain it. It must be God. Um, that, that's to me, that seems a little bit of a cop out. I don't mind if it is God, as long as there's some detailed and peer-reviewed and systematic way of trying to explain that particular phenomena with evidence. And if the, the final explanation was left to be God, great. But I don't think you can just default to God because you can't understand.
0: And, w- and one great fallacy is this idea that just because you can't disprove something, that doesn't actually prove that it does exist. So <laughs> just it- because I can't disprove the existence of the flying spaghetti monster doesn't mean that it actually exists. And I think that is a common argument.
1: It is, yes, definitely. Um, and it's, it's, it's a dangerous way of thinking. I mean, you can come up with lots of things like that. I mean, if, if you're going to suggest the evidence of God, then I think it wasn't just Christopher Hitchens, but I think he took the explanation of an, um, incredible ideas require incredible evidence, or, uh, paraphrasing there. And if you are going to put forward the idea of God and all the things that go with God, then you really have to come up with some credible evidence. And you know, so people can scrutinise and evaluate it. And for me, I don't see that.
0: Okay, so the first, the first uh, problem, the first disadvantage of religion for people <laughs> that identified is this sense of being able to come up with a model for identifying a realistic or more accurate idea of reality. What, what was the, the second one that you were thinking? The
1: second was? one relates to, I suppose you could argue, it, it, it's more, uh, it should be number one, it relates to the social groups, the kind of harm and the ways that we can view people who aren't the same as us. You know, this is what you talked about, tribes and groups. And religion, uh, some religions, some religious texts, some religious uh, dogmas put forward the idea that, you know, only your group of people who believe in the same thing are the same as you. So if the non-believers will go to hell, and, you know, if, if you're promoting the idea of, OK, well, people believe in the same thing that you do and you're promoting the idea of love and other people who don't and you're leaving them alone, that's fine. Um, but some religions, some religious uh, scholars, um, texts, put forward the idea that you should you know, try to convert other people and that they should be uh, persecuted. In some cases, they should be harmed physically, they should be killed. Coming from the idea that this is the word of God, an all loving um, and om- omniscient, om- omnipotent being, it seems rather far fetched to, to that they would put, put forward the idea that you, know, you should harm uh, people who don't believe the same things as you.
0: This is a really genuinely difficult question, isn't it? Because I think religions have a few things in common, and actually, the the desire of what they're trying the desire of what they're trying to give to people is actually a you know, genuinely really important thing that they're trying to give to people i, I have the best best will in the world and they yeah. share things like you know the golden rule of do unto others as they do to you i mean that's generally a sort of an idea that goes through most religions yeah. and yet they 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 still represent in groups very very powerful in groups um would you say that that's kind of what it comes down to as this sort of tribal instinct this idea of in groups versus out out groups
1: i don't know whether i'd say that it's the main driver of religion it's it, it i think it's one element um and as we said you know if, if religion was all about being nice to people being kind to people um pr- promoting bonds between people loving people all of those things i cannot argue with and i think that's a wonderful thing um, but it seems to come with a very strong downside of feeling very negative towards people who don't believe the same things as you so for people who just don't have a belief system like yours or people who've left your belief system and, you know, certain religions uh, follow that not every not every person who believes in that religion will follow that but that's quite a uh, i think it's a quite a horrific way of thinking just because someone doesn't believe the same things that you do or they've changed their belief that you feel that you need to go and end their life um and that that, that doesn't fit with the idea of an all-loving all-knowing god um, if that's the case.
0: I think another danger within what you've just said is that you know, w- without even the uh, brutalization of it, of actual sort of people going up against each other, there is, within certain religions, there is almost an intellectual trap in that you, know, you have to believe in this. And if you don't believe in this, there will be a punishment awaiting you sort of beyond this life. And the only way you can get out of that way of thinking is if you just completely disregard all the beliefs in the religion in the first place you know there's a sort of intellectual circular trap that you are caught with him
1: i'm i mean I, i'm I've, i'm not a religious person as you can probably tell i mean my parents weren't really religious. my dad wasn't religious uh, my mum may have kind of called herself christian so i went to a normal uh, typical cv e school in england um you know you heard about religion you heard of you know you, you bowed your head in the morning for a assembly for prayers not that we followed anything it wasn't like going to a a Catholic school. So my, and what I'm trying to say is that religion wasn't part of my life, but for, for many people who are religious, it forms every part of their life from the, the moment they're born. And as you talked about trying to unpack and you know, separate yourself from religion, I imagine it's incredibly hard to do that when you're, you're. You know, it's like wearing a, a, wed, a, a welded-on pair of glasses that allow you to see the world in a particular way, and suddenly you've got to try to remove them. And when you do, you just see it completely differently. And for those people who've left a religion and that way of thinking, the change must be incredible uh, and there must be a huge amount of pressure from the people that were, you know, their friends and family who are still religious and that must be quite difficult for them as well.
0: And for me, for me, that suggests sort of a third substantial disadvantage that it does have is this idea of influence, of where people get their religious views from. Because I think if you look at how many people are brought up, they are brought up. As a religious person, so yeah, you are brought up as a Christian. You are not brought up as a as a human being who's able to sort of choose for themselves how they do it. You are brought up as this. So there are faith schools, but yeah, many, many people are brought up in within family traditions of religious ideas. And for me, um, I guess within you know the liberal Western model, that seems to be a really difficult thing to accept is this idea that I think we should be given freedom of thought and we should be given the intellectual tools to be able to choose the way that we want to live and to be able to actually think critically about it. But that feels to me one of the very great difficulties of religion, especially if you're brought up as a Christian or whatever, that actually you are your parameters in how you see the world and the tools that you're given are restricted from you. Also the information sources are restricted from you because you're told to look at these books, you're told to look at that information. That feels like a sort of a fundamentally very problematic thing to, to do with it for any human being it feels like a fundamental freedom is being denied to you there without, if you're not being equipped to actually see more broadly.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're all brought up in a, in a particular environment with our you know, with our caregivers, our, our guardians, our parents, our grandparents, our social circle. Uh, so we're all influenced by those people and the education system above. And, and that's undeniable. You can't not be influenced by those around you. Um, and so people might disagree with, you know, I've, I think I've kind of heard the idea that, well, why is religious, dogma different from any other education system that you've been engaged with, that any other child is engaged with. Um, and I think you're right, it, it, it's partly whether you equip people with those tools or allow people to question. And religion seems to be one of those phenomena, and as, as we talked, you know, i keep harking back, because I think it's really important, that religion purports to explain everything. And I think, and it's something that purports to explain everything, should one, provide evidence, and should be open to criticism. I mean, my work in cognitive psychology, so if I know when I publish my papers and I'm, uh, I've am i got a particular finding and I'm putting forward a particular idea, it's open to other people to take it apart. The methodology, my analyses, my interpretation, and that's the way it's done. Religion doesn't seem to be open to that. So as you said, from a young age, if your friends or your family and your education system tells you to see the world in a particular way, follow particular texts, but doesn't give you the opportunity, and as you said, equipped with those tools to try to see whether that can be validated and supported then you're possibly at a disadvantage compared to other people who have those tools.
0: And so considering some of the insights that we might have from psychology are there some ways of Getting over some of those disadvantages of religion, of addressing some of those things, whilst retaining some of the benefits that it brings, because it clearly religion isn't on the decline globally. In fact, it's sort of on on the rise. In fact, and so it clearly has big advantages for us in a lot of ways. Are there some ways? Yeah, we can come to a a sort of a settlement with it to live with it in a sort of in a way that is that gets over some of those problems.
1: To be honest, I'm not sure about that. One. I mean, I know that there are differences between people who are religious and not religious in terms of their cognition. Um, so, some, I mean, there's many studies, I think the last thing I read is, uh, some like 63 studies, a meta-analysis of 63 studies looking at people's religiosity with their um, in, intelligence. So, you know, uh, IQ tests, and obviously there's a huge variety, and there's a huge debate about the, the validity and reliability of intelligence tests anyway. That aside, those individual studies and the combined meta-analysis of the over 63 suggest a negative correlation. in the, 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 the more religious you are, the less you score on those intelligence tests. And it's, and it's, it's, it's easy to say the more religious you are, the, the less intelligent you are. I, I, that's a very, I think, crass way of saying it. And I, I don't think it should be meant now. I mean, I I've, you know quite a few people are religious and they're very clever people. I know lots of people who aren't religious are not clever people. So there's a huge mishmash of things going on there. But there's other suggestions that... It's a way of thinking as well that allows religion to be more influential on some people's lives than others. So there's the idea that we think in kind of two routes, uh, kind of route one and route two. The route one is more primitive, it's uh, more heuristic, and it's some kind of way of thinking that we share with other animals. We don't ascribe too much thinking and time to it. It's just a very quick, automatic, very fast. Um, Where this type two type of thinking is called um, analytic thinking. Um, where we do deliberate, it's very explicit, we're quite aware of what we're doing, it's very conscious. This is something we don't share, or many other animals don't share with us, I mean you can argue other primates might have and some birds have a little bit of that ability, but those people who aren't religious tend to be more analytic in their way of thinking and people who are religious tend to be more heuristic. Um, and I think some studies just sort of shown if you kind of prime people to think religious uh, analytically, so it's a very simple way, I think if you throw in some words about Intelligence, like professor and things like that, people tend to engage with text at a more analytical level than a heuristic level, and that, that can be done in the short term. I'm not saying that's something that can be changed over a long term, but you can be you can demonstrate that in the lab. That slight way of changing uh, thinking from heuristic to analytic can make people um, look at things differently. And
0: is there a way of training people to develop these things? I mean, is is this a set of skills that you could equip people with, for example? Prioritizing the idea of critical thinking, for example, within schools as, a, as an approach to thinking about the world. Is, are, are things like that ways of helping with this?
1: I think if you give people the opportunity to criticize and provide counter arguments and, and look into things in detail and question things, then anything, whether it's religious or not religious, Any idea can be criticised in that way. And that, that, I mean, I think scientific thinking is the way to promote that, where you set hypotheses and try and test those hypotheses and you have a way of falsifying. So that would be the the, the kind of way to introduce that in schools. And I don't think lots of religious thinking does that with regard to religious phenomena.
0: Because presumably you could have, you have plenty of scientists that work in a very sort of scientific and rational way, and yet they also are religious. They believe in religion. So presumably it is possible to arrive at a kind of uh, sort of balance between having a an accurate view of the world through the scientific method, but also still being able to draw out a lot of the benefits that religion would bring in terms of community, in terms of sacrament, in terms of all those other sorts of things. Is there a, is there a balance there? Do you think that where, where people could almost get the best out of it in best of all
1: worlds? I imagine some people do. I mean, like I said, there there are very... Eminent scientists who are religious. It's not as many the other way around. I think, that, you know, um, I think the data shows that more uh, people who won the Nobel Prize are not religious compared to religious. But that doesn't mean that the, someone who isn't religious isn't going to be very scientific and be a, an incredible expert in their area. And that does happen.
0: I've got another big question here. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a big one to me anyway. Do you think we need religion? Or do you think we could actually get the same benefits... From a non-religious view of reality, seeking greater community, having rituals, having all these other things. Do you think that's a a reasonable way forward? Or do you you think we actually really lose something fundamental to to the human psyche that we need if we get rid of that stuff?
1: I don't think we need religion. That would be my view. I I can see the benefits religion provides um, and in terms of that group cohesion, that bonding, that togetherness. But I don't see that as being as, as something you can't get from other areas in society. Um, I mean that I think I remember seeing some programs that there are already I mean there's humanists and, and and other kind of non-religious churches who get together a week to to promote those kind of groups and go and do good. and I mean plenty of people are very moral and plenty of people do good without religion. You don't need to do good uh, to be religious to do good things. You don't need to be religious to. Uh, be part of a group there are many many ways that you can be part of a group you know whether you uh, t- well, I know the pandemic's a bit more difficult nowadays um, but you know there's you you have group interests and shared interests um, so I don't think you need that I think you get a lot more from knowing about the world as, as truthfully as possible and accurately as possible and that's the ultimate thing I think that you know, we should all be trying to aim for um, and people do that on our behalf and so working in science and things But the the, the bonding, the social bonding, isn't something that you you can just get from religion. You can get from many other things. Um, I mean, the the physiological aspects that you get from taking part in rituals, uh, the the change in brain chemicals from uh, taking part in um, uh, kind of church attendances and things you can get you know, People derive the same thing from uh, going to concerts, singing, dancing. We know that from going back through, through history, human history, that group gatherings where, you know, people sing and dance and that collective um, togetherness produces those same kind of euphoric highs that you see in evangelist churches and other places so that, that's one of the reasons why it becomes quite a, a nice thing for people who are involved in those things you know, it's, it's very pleasurable for them as well you, know, you can see see where they get it from or see one of the reasons why they want to continue in those activities
0: on a broader scale i mean we'll, we'll be talking in a in a later episode about of global peace and whether that's a realistic goal given how human beings think and behave, but what's your take on this for for religions? You know, are religions you know simply a collection of in groups or tribes that are sort of destined to compete with each other forever, or is there hope for a more harmonious coexistence than that? Do you think, and what what where do you think that might lie?
1: I would like to think that there is a, a hope for a harmonious existence given how. Harmful people can be to each other because of religion. I mean, I'm not saying that people can't be harmful to others um, without religion. People do that all the time, unfortunately. I would say that religion is, you no, know, it would be the certain beliefs within religion that cause good people to do bad things in the name of religion. Um, and I would like to think that, you know, it, re- it requires communication and tolerance and understanding between people. And as we've seen over the last few years, even in the UK, it's quite easy to be opposed to other people nowadays um, in terms of very, I and mean, in terms of political beliefs, philosophies, ideologies. I mean, you've got uh, I mean, anti-vax and vaccination. You've got different opposing groups they there, and it's quite a volatile situation. And religion was one of those things that has been most prevalent about, uh, in terms of those volatile situations for the last 20 years. Over the last five or six years, it's it's been more political. So I'd like to think, you know, trying to, where there's commonalities, where there's some common common ground between groups, then there should be uh, more attempts at trying to try and to meet those kind of shared commonalities and um, and go forward with that.
0: Because it feels like there is quite a substantial amount of common ground between, obviously all human beings share a lot of common ground. And that's one of the things that we need to frame and we need to work on to achieve a greater, better global coexistence. But even between religions, there is a lot of shared this sort of desire to look at the profound nature of being and to try and find some eternal truths, you know perhaps supernatural beliefs or a, a, a searching for, for what really matters in life. Those, those are pretty strong things that could bind the religious person yet you, you don't often see that sort of that sort of binding of those groups in sort of terms of religious versus non-religious. The, the religions themselves are quite competing in that way.
1: There are, there are certain religions where there's a huge amount of tension between, I mean, I, I don't know the specifics of it, I mean, I'm not versed in these religions, I said I'm not religious myself, um, but I'm aware that some, there's a huge tension between certain groups that, from the outside, we would think, well, it's the same religion, it's not that different, um, but they are quite volatile towards each other, and you kind of think, if people who are that close in their belief system find it difficult to find that common ground, when you, you've said that there's so much common ground already, and whatever it is that sets them apart, if they find it difficult, then maybe you know, religious and non-religious people might find it even more difficult because they're obviously a bit further apart. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned before that the, you know, globally religion is increasing. It's, I think it's, it's variable in different areas of the world. You know, talk about in the UK, I think the religious uh, attendance is decreasing now. And people who say, I think the last thing I saw was you know, about 45 percent of people say that they do believe in God. Um, or or have a religion in the UK. So that seems to be dropping in the UK. And I would like to think that that influence in the UK is dropping as well. Um, I think I saw something yesterday saying that one in five people uh, didn't have much choice about where to send their children because it was just faith schools around. So it's still quite influential in the UK. Um, I'd like to think that would have less influence as time goes on.
0: So the final question that we might ask is looking towards the future what do you see as the best accommodation that human beings can have with religion and with religious ideas? What would be the best way of us living in balance with that, but maintaining the sense of accuracy of reality and things like that? And and how how might we achieve something like that?
1: I really don't know on that one. Um, I think communication and openness and transparency is the kind of obvious thing for two groups of, or many groups of com- with competing ideas to make sure that they're in touch with each other. Um, and I suppose it's the demands of the religion places on the rest of society. I mean, I don't mind if people have completely different views to me on anything, like you know, TV programs, films, music, and that doesn't bother me. And in you know, a religion, religion you know, it's one of those things as well. It depends how influential those beliefs are and how they Im- impact on the rest of society. And as I mentioned about the UK, it seems to be having less or exerting less of an effect, which makes me happy. Um, I would like to think that that happens in other areas of the world, but as we discussed in other areas of the world, religions would be more prominent having more influence. Um, And it's it's a tough balancing negotiation, I think, between those who who are religious who want to have, want those religious beliefs to impact on the rest of society and the rest of the world at large. and it's, you know, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to, to engage with people who, who view things very, very differently.
0: Presumably, there's a need for greater you know, tolerance and respect and understanding on all sides of this as well.
1: Yes, definitely. Um I, know, I think you know, religious and non-religious people need to kind of get together and ensure that they are having that common ground. And it, it seems to be very easy to say the wrong thing um, to you know, for people who are religious and non-religious and that can cause other reactions in them as well. And that that, I think that needs to be tempered. It's very easy to do or say something that isn't intended to hurt anyone else, but it can be depending on their belief system. Um, And I find that a little bit worrying. I'd like to think that we're all a bit more open and tolerant and able to take ideas at face value and and engage with them. And some people, for whatever reason, uh, find that more tricky
0: feels to me that perhaps at the heart of this, as as with a lot of the other episodes that we're covering in this series, is this need for human beings generally to sort of have a much greater sense of self-awareness of what makes us tick and how we think about things, how we can actually lead ourselves into certain beliefs and how we can find ourselves being conditioned by our environment and by other people and our behaviour. Do you think there is a need for that, of actually people understanding themselves better and almost to part, as part of one's education, actually knowing how we think and knowing getting some perspective on human beings and the world that we actually find ourselves in before, before we start forming beliefs about things.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can argue that religion maybe needs to be more introduced, more formally at a later age in, in school development, but we know full well that, as we discussed earlier, that religion to many people, I imagine, I don't know what the proportion is, but I imagine quite a lot of people are religious, Encountered religion from a very very early age, when when we're all very susceptible to beliefs and we kind of we're, we're trusting our, the authority figures around us to give us that correct information, that truthful information. I'm fascinated by religion in the sense yeah. that I'm fascinated by a topic that purports to explain everything that has, to me at least, very little uh, evidence supporting it. And I think if that that was brought in as a topic to understand in school be fantastic for children to understand that Um, but it's not seemed to be brought in, in those in that kind of way
0: i think that's an interesting point because i think you know aside from all the other things we've talked about which are you know we've talked about evolutionary advantages of religion which is all very sort of kind of cold way of talking about it but it's brought a fantastic range of cultural and traditional color and ideas and profoundly important and you know yeah moving things for people in people's lives mm, but actually it this should all be celebrated right and i and it feel it feels to me that actually there's a way of arriving at a, an accommodation which celebrates the the value of it and the profound insights that these stories and these ideas do have but trying to sort of balance that out with um with this sort of as accurate as we can get sort of model of reality that we live within
1: yeah, I would say it's more of a, a history of society. I mean, we just we study history in school. Religion has shaped our societies and our lives, I and mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, so it's not about the religions and the, the ideas within the religions themselves. That's a separate thing, and I think the possible danger with that is that there isn't any critique of that at a young age, at least. But the understanding of how religion has shaped their lives, that's part of history, and I think that's a very interesting thing that's, uh, that children should be told about in school uh, and understanding our history and how we've come to be in the societies that we are nowadays and how that's been led by you know, previous groups of people and different ways of thinking. I mean, our education system, we're exposed to much more knowledge and ideas and it's at our fingertips than we've ever had before. But as we were pointing out a little bit earlier, we are possibly more individualistic, more busy than than ever before as well, trying to live our lives, trying to juggle our, our jobs and our families and all the other interesting things that we're trying to do. That Sometimes it's easy to take the easy way out and not engage with these kind of thinking Um, if you don't have to if you're in school then you're exposed to ideas you're taught those things outside of school where you're focusing on your job and you're trying to make ends meet and things you you can read the papers and understand how things are very very difficult for people you're not going to be so willing to try and engage with those ideas if things are getting tough for you and you want some kind of certainty into your life you want some comfort that's one thing that draws people to religion i i would say a kind of a later later stage in life where they're they're finding things difficult and it provides an explanation and a comfort for them and I can understand why that's very you know very appealing.
0: If you enjoyed this episode subscribe to the whole series from wherever you get your podcasts or via my website Richarddockra.com. While you're there you can check out my other podcasts and books and sign up for my monthly newsletter containing interesting ideas
1: and updates. Thanks for listening.